Amen. Let's let's open up our Bibles. Um, we're going to be in two spots. Uh, I'm really going to park in Psalms 63, but we are also going to be in 1 Samuel 23. And so let's open up to both of those spots if you can. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, I'll, I'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you stand behind your word and perform it in our life. We thank you, Lord, that even though everything will fade away, uh, your word will remain. So, God, we, we stand on your word. We believe your word. We're hungry for your word. We're listening to your word. God, speak to us that we would be encouraged, God, that we would draw close to you. And most importantly, God, that you would be glorified in our life. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. Um, how many of you guys love the Psalms, the book of Psalms, right? Amazing book, right? It's an amazing book um, of this poetry, songs, testimony written unto the Lord. And you read these beautiful writings and it really just increases your worship. You can read Psalms and it, and it, you, it describes um, the Lord and it describes worship in, in different Scenarios in a way that really just causes your heart to recognize how good God is. Um, but what also you have to be aware of is that the Psalms wasn't written um, just alone. Uh, the Psalms was written at times, especially by David, King David, um, in times of chaos. You know, we, we, we tend to look at the Bible as the way that they put it together in these pieces of leather. Right. We think Genesis, Exodus, like we think in that order. But a lot of these books within the Bible um, go hand in hand. They flow together. The stories flow together. And so Psalms in First Samuel 23 uh, go together in what I want to teach you guys today. And this is the story of David and Saul. Um, for those that don't know, David is David and Goliath. If you didn't, didn't learn that in Sunday school then uh, you were with me, not growing up in church and watching cartoons on Sunday. Amen? Uh, but I know that in Sunday school today, we teach our kids David and Goliath, right? Next door, uh, we, we teach this story, and it's easy for us to kind of overlook that story because we use it so much with the children, but it's a powerful story, a powerful story of what God can do with someone who might not look or feel qualified to answer the call of God on their life. David is a young man who is anointed by the prophet Samuel to become king, and he is brought into uh, the army by accident. He's just coming to bring his brothers some lunch, and he ends up fighting Goliath and kills Goliath. And so Saul brings him in, brings him close. Saul is the king of Israel at this time, and uh, Saul takes David under his wing. He says, man, this kid has potential. You know, this kid is going to be something. And so Saul really embraces David, you know, like a son. But what started to happen is that as David continued to, to grow and mature as, as a warrior, um, as a person, as a man of God, the people really were inclined to David. The people really, uh, you know, they, they, they loved David even to the point to where they were beginning to love him more than their own King Saul. Saul, seeing that, he became jealous. And in his jealousy, he wanted to kill David. 
Okay, so the calling that was upon God, the calling that, that Samuel anointed David to become king, there was this unplanned for, unexpected moment where Saul began to, uh, in his jealousy, hunt David down. And so God had to reroute David. He had to take David. David was on his way to become king, but these things that came up, God had to kind of take him around. And so we're going to take a look here at 1 Samuel 23, and this is uh, as... Uh, David is being hunted by Saul. 1 Samuel 23, starting in verse number 1. It says, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. They are robbing the threshing floors. Now, this is the same Philistines that David killed Goliath, but this is a different story, a different battle. Verse 2 says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? Now this is what I love about David, especially in this story, is he's saying this and praying this as he's running from Saul. So he is running from Saul, running for his life. He's running for his life, and as he is running for his life, he is still bringing himself before the Lord in a place of obedience. He's yielded to God. Even though all hell is breaking out in his life, he's still saying, God, what do you want me to do? I could appreciate that, right? We could appreciate that as an example, that, that even though things can come against us and even though things can happen around us, that doesn't mean that we should stop asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen. So again, verse 2, therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with the mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all of the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. So Saul, the king of Israel, right? This is, this is God's appointed king at this time, uh, or the people's appointed king that God decided just to let them have. He's going after David to kill him, and he's excited about that. He wants to get rid of David. Uh, verse 9 says, When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. That's always uh, not really a comforting answer. Right? <laughs> Lord, is there going to be an attack on my life? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, am I going to lose my job? Yep. <laughs> Lord, are we going to struggle financially? You better believe it. <laughs> it's not very comforting, right? It's where trust is important. Amen. 
says, the Lord said, he will come, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told to Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. So again, Saul, this is somebody that David looked up to. David was drawn to Saul as, as a father figure. Uh, David, who was removed from his family in the sense that he went from living in the city and the town, serving as a shepherd. He is now living in the palace. He's now serving the king. Um, He's looking to Saul as this mentor, as this leader. This is David's king. And in this position, David's king, the one that he loved, the one that he trusted, the one that he looked up to, was now pursuing to kill him. Right? And and he's, he's still wanting to be obedient to the Lord. He's still fighting the enemies of God. And he's running, asking God, where do I go? And so the Lord is rerouting David. He's taken him throughout these cities so that he can keep him from being uh, attacked by Saul. And this is where we find Psalms 63. Let's go to Psalm 63. Now, David is writing Psalms 63. After what we just read in 1 Samuel 23, he runs, he hides, he finds himself a cave in the wilderness, a cave in Judah. He's hiding from Saul. And this is the moment. 1 Samuel 23, Saul, David begins to write Psalms 63. Psalm 63, verse 7. Actually, let's start in verse 1 because this is, I'm telling you guys, this, I love to study the word because when, I, when you read 1 Samuel 23 and then you read Psalm 63, you would never know. Unless somebody tells you, you would never know that David wrote these at the exact, this, that Samuel wrote the, the, what was happening to David. David is writing what's happening to him. You would have never known this in this time. Uh, Psalm 63, starting in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. How many of you guys have ever been in that position where things aren't going well in your life and you're just like, man, God, you're so good. Right. What a posture of maturity. What a posture of faith. What a posture of trust that, you know what, everything is going wrong. And he's saying, but your loving kindness is better than life. Somebody's hunting my head right now, but your loving kindness is better than life. Right. We, we, we get upset when the smallest things happen. We question God when the smallest things happen, right? One little thing doesn't go the way that we planned or the way that we wanted, and we begin to question our faith, right? I don't know if I want to go to church anymore. I don't know if I want to read my Bible. I don't know if I want to pray. I don't know if I want to sow in the offering. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know what? David had every reason to, to, to write down an opposite psalm in this moment, He had every reason to say, God, why have you forsaken me? Why is this happening to me? But instead, he says, your loving kindness is better than life. Amen. He says, my lips shall praise you. Ooh. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Shout out to Raymond, huh? Encourage us to lift up our hands, giving thanks to God. Amen. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. And this is what I want to park on is verse 7 and verse 8 today. 
because you have been my help. David is making a statement of reflection. He is making a statement of testimony. David is declaring the faithfulness of God in a moment where it seems that God is not being faithful. David is saying, you have been. You know why testimony is so important? You know why taking communion is so important? You know why going back to reminding yourself what God has done in your life is so important? Because it brings your heart into this posture where you remember what he has been. When you remember what he has been and who he has been and what he has done, when you reflect on those things, you can then proceed in what David says. Therefore, you have been, therefore, in the shadow of your wings. Right? He says, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. David wasn't rejoicing because of what was happening then. right then. He was rejoicing because what had happened before. His praise and worship didn't come from a place of what was happening in that moment. His praise and worship came because he reminded himself of what God had done when he had to kill the animals that were attacking the sheep. Yeah. Right? His praise and worship came when he had to remind himself how God delivered Goliath into his hand. He had to remind himself of the faithfulness of God. And that right there brought him into a place where he recognized that God was his covering. He was able to remind himself, to encourage himself that God is covering, covering me right now because he's been covering me this whole time. See, we, we, have to, we have to understand God's faithfulness. We have to know. We have to remind ourselves every single day that who God was and is in the Bible, he still is today. Right? You have to think back of all the testimonies in your life. Right. Don't just overlook the faithfulness of God, the miracles of God that he's done in your life, because the moment that you face another opposition, those things come in handy. Yes. You got to reach back and pull out those testimonies sometime. You said, you know, what, God, you were there for me then. And I know you're going to be there for with me today. Amen. When I remember you on. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse seven, because you have been my help, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice because I am covered by God. I will rejoice. I will, I will release a sound of gratitude. I will allow the great, the thankfulness that is on my heart towards God, I will allow it to come out and be heard because God is covering me in the, in the midst of what I'm going through. When God is regrouping you and he's rerouting you, you have to stay in this place of praise and worship because it keeps your perspective in the right place. When you always thank God for who he is, what's happening around you doesn't discourage you because you realize that the God that you serve is above what you're facing. That's what praise and worship does. This is why we tell we tell you guys, when you come in here to, to praise and worship, just lay everything at his feet. Yeah. Right? You had a rough week. You had a rough day. You had a rough year. You had a rough life. You know what? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because the moment that you begin to say, I just want you and nothing else. Yeah. 
I just want you, I'm caught up in your presence. All I want to do is sit here at your feet. When you begin to worship God, you know what you do? You, you see that God has moved you above what you're facing. You see that you're seated in heavenly places. That you're no longer in a place of defeat, but you're in a place of victory because of what Jesus has done. This is where we can behold the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We behold the hands and feet of Jesus. We see that he's victorious. And so we worship. We worship a victorious king. We worship a victorious Lord. We worship him and we thank him. And next thing you know, all of our problems are washed away. They're still there, but they have no power over us anymore. I'm still broke, but I'm a happy broke. Because you have been my help. You have been my help. They're hunting him down, Johnny. Like Saul is hunting David down. He wants to kill him. Like he, he this is not, and not just his, his right hand in a sense. This is also his son-in-law. You know, David married Saul's daughter. This is his son-in-law and Saul wants to kill David because of jealousy. And he got an army to assist him in hunting him down and murdering him. I'm not just going to hunt you myself, but I'm bringing my guys with me. Look, if my family's big and we roll deep. <laughs> Don't tell us to meet you at the park because there will be no parking spaces left. Okay? We roll deep. Amen? We roll deep. Saul was rolling deep. He was looking for David. He wanted to kill him. And again, it blows my mind to know that, to know what we read in 1 Samuel 23 and to see this posture of David's heart. He is writing this as he's hiding from Saul. Right? He is writing this saying, you know what, God? You're, you're my help. You're my help. You're my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, you're covering, I rejoice. Verse 8 says, my soul follows close Earlier when we got into this discussion, regrouping, rerouting, I told you guys, and I've shared this with you plenty of times before from my own experience, my own mistakes, is that you have to be sensitive to the timing of God. You have to be very sensitive to God's timing because if you get ahead of God, right, when his will does manifest in your life, it has the power to crush you. If you get off course from the will of God and the timing of God, then you're going to lose sight of what he's trying to do in his timing and in his will. It's just like riding a wave. How many of you guys have ever surfed before? Boogie board, right? I'm a boogie boarder, not a surfer, right? I grew up riding my skateboard on my belly, right? Jamie knows this area, Forest and Fresno area, those hills right there by Avalon Park. I used to ride my skateboard down those bad boys, just cruise on my belly, just... <laughs> So if you get me in the ocean, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on a boogie board and just. <laughs> but you know, when you're out in the ocean and you're going to catch a wave, you've got to catch it at the right time. If you get ahead of that wave, that wave is going to crash over you and just tumble you under that water. God's will, his, his power, right? His glory, the manifestation of the kingdom on the earth is powerful. And when we get ahead of that timing, when the will of God does happen, if we try to get ahead of him, it has the power and the ability to crush us. Mm 
Those that are desiring positions of ministry and feel called into ministry, you have to wait for God's timing because if you put yourself in a position before God does, the fame, the attention, the responsibility, the demand could drown you rather than propel you. This is why we don't give kids driver's license at nine years old. Right? They have to mature. Their, their sensitivity, their, their, their response time. They, they have to grow and mature physically and mentally so that when they get behind a wheel at 16 and 17 years old, they can handle the vehicle and be safe for themselves and others around them. Right? The timing of God is the same thing. We can't just put people ahead of God. Amen. You can't just say, hey, it's okay if God called you to this or God's just go and do it. Right? You have to wait for God's timing. But in the same sense, you can't wait too long. Right? You, you can't wait too long. When God says now, it's now. And you have to be able, because same thing with surfing. If you catch that wave too late, you ain't going to go anywhere. So David says right here in verse number eight, my soul follows close behind you. My soul follows close behind you, Lord. I'm not trying to get ahead of you. God, give me your word and I'm going to follow that. I'm not going to get ahead and say, okay, Lord, let your word follow me. But God, let your word come forth, let your instruction come forth, and then I will follow close behind. When we had uh, transitioned into this hotel, the beginning of August, our first, the first thing that we did, we got the leaders together, and, you know, just spent some time in prayer, asking God, what do we do? And, and our first response was to do nothing. We said, you know what, look. Let's get into the hotel and let's just sit. Let's not look for a building. Let's not, let's not do anything extra. You know, let's not start buying stuff that we need to, to accommodate us here in the hotel. Like, we, let's, just, let's just get in there and let's just sit. And we did. We sat for, for August. And, and then towards September, we started to feel, okay, now it's time. Because we could have easily got ahead of God. We could have easily got ahead of his timing and put redemption in a place where we committed to a building too prematurely, right? But we were able to sit back. We saved money being here, right? We were able to just kind of regroup. And, and we're allowing God's timing to unfold so that we can follow close behind. When I was 18 years old, uh, I was at a prophetic conference and they prophesied over me, you were going to be a pastor one. That was when I was 18. Okay, that was in uh, 1998. 1998. I was 18 years old, about to turn 19 years old, 1998. And it was prophesied over me that I was going to be a pastor. I wasn't ordained to be a pastor until 2014. 16, 17 years after the prophetic word was released over my life is when the manifestation of God's timing began to unfold. Now, if I would have stepped out and began to pastor prematurely, then I would have been overwhelmed by the responsibility. I wouldn't have been able to handle. Now, trust me, you're never going to go into a position with God fully prepared. Okay, you're never going to go where you got it. Don't, don't wait for everything to fall in line before you say yes to God. There are things that God won't give you until the journey comes. Okay, 
But you still have to be aware of his timing when he says yes and when he says wait. You have to wait, right? You have to wait. When we started Redemption, uh, I was still working. I worked in a doctor's office, and uh, the Lord told me to keep working. Don't, don't, don't leave your job yet. And so I only had one day off when we started the church. I worked four days out of the week. I had one day off to give myself to preparing for our services. And then from one day, it went to two days. And then about two years after us planning the church, we were able to, I uh, was able to take a full-time position as a pastor. Again, if we would have got out of the timing of God, we would have put ourselves in a financial stress. And we wouldn't have been able to handle uh, what we needed to do with our responsibilities. And I know I'm speaking from a ministry perspective uh, because that's my testimony. But where are you at that you have to wait for God? You have to allow his timing to unfold and you have to follow close behind, right? You're praying for things. You're believing for things. Let God's timing take place so that you can follow close behind. Amen. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand, it upholds me. You know, the right hand of God, it represents power and authority. The right hand of God represents power and authority. And David says, your right hand, your power and your authority, it upholds me, it holds me up. My foundation, what I stand on is your power and your authority. Jesus said something similar when he said, those that build their life on my word, there's power in the word, right? There's power in the authority that, that God has. Jesus has overcame the world. He has authority over everything. And that's the authority that holds us up. The right hand of God upholds us. Amen. The right hand of God upholds us. And that doesn't change. David recognizes in this rerouting moment, this rerouting season where Saul was set out to kill him, David found this place of praise and worship because God was his covering. God was upholding him, and then he was, he was asking God to go before him. Like This, this is the, the protection of God. And Dave, I, I love the way it captures that in these, these two verses, in this one verse actually. Now the two verses, my help, therefore, or you have been my help, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, right? Where God is covering us. I will rejoice and I will follow close behind, meaning God goes before us. And you will uphold me with your right hand, meaning God is our foundation. This is the faithfulness of God during the reroute. God is moving some things around in your life. He's changing some things up, right? There's change and transition going on in your life right now. But that doesn't change that God is covering you, he's going before you, and he's holding you up. Yeah. And when you stay in that place, you can say what David says in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. He is writing this 
in the midst of a reroute. He is writing this in the midst of, of being sought after to be murdered. He is hiding in a cave and he is writing this psalm. What more? Why, why do we complain? Why are we questioning God's faithfulness and what we're facing? Look at what David was going through. And he still released the song. He still was able to set his eyes on God regardless of what was happening. And we have to do that in the reroute. We have to do that. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus because if not, we're going to be so discouraged that we're going to get thrown off of the course.